an hour of truth for the battered but proud people of the Empire State. From the financial and entertainment epicenter of New York City to the sleeping and empty small cities and towns of upstate, which once bustled with manufacturing, mining, and farming. We all know from inspiration, history, and nature, we deserve a return to the success and growth of generations past, a birthright being squandered by corruption in Albany, and the depredations of an insecure, scheming mountebank posing as governor, who loathes both us and himself. As liberty beckoned to enslaved peoples behind the Iron Curtain via American broadcasts after World War II, we now say, believe, rise, and join us. Welcome to Radio Free New York. Hey guys, welcome to Radio Free New York. I'm your host, Andrew Hollister, and we've got Kevin Wilson with us. Absolutely. Yep, I'm here. And Andrew is is here in the little picture in the video. You can see him here. He decided that he wasn't going to, to get dressed today and didn't want everyone to see him as a mess. So didn't want to do the video. That's why I'm assuming. Yeah, just, I'm just going a... for the uh, the hobo pantless look today. No, my, my internet's been um, <laughs> acting up so much. We're actually running the stream through uh, through Kevin's connection today. So hopefully we won't have the issue we had yesterday where uh, – guys lost me halfway through the show um but today is our talk of the town today is tuesday for those of you keeping track of days of the week um you know i wonder how many people actually are keeping track of the days of the week at this point i'm i'm not sure how many are kevin are you are you tracking the days of the week uh i think andrew cuomo is announcing it during the press conferences now so that's uh what i'm looking to for uh, uh <laughs> guidance he just tells me everything now. He just get, gives you every, everything you need to know, you know, the date, the time, day of the week, how to think, how he's going to spend your money, you know, whatever. All of it. What would we do without, dear leader? Yeah. yeah. You, you know, it's interesting. I, I saw a, a couple days ago, um, somebody posted a question asking, what is the most useless thing you purchased this year? And one of the top responses was a 2020 planner. Um, <laughs> so I, I thought it was not only clever, but probably true for most people that use one of those like hand planners, those agendas. Um, there's probably just a lot of empty spaces so far. Yeah. You know, if we had switched to uh, George Eastman's calendar, this wouldn't be a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we wouldn't need time zones either. So and and I'm I'm a big fan of that, but I I think most people probably disagree with me on that one, <laughs> or or they they maybe they just don't understand where I'm coming from. Um, so <laughs> if you're wondering what we're talking about, you guys can jump on the YouTube channel, uh, search Andrew C Hollister, go to the Radio Free New York channel there, um, and it, we we talked about whether or not time zones are still relevant with the technology we have today. And uh, it's an interesting conversation. We talk about some different calendar options. Um, but I think on, uh, you know, for most people at this point, calendars are, are irrelevant. Days of the week are irrelevant. Um, it's possible time of day is becoming irrelevant <laughs> for people. You know, like they're just like, oh, the sun's up and it's, oh, the sun's going down. Um, sweatpants just, time all day. Yeah, every it's day. sweatpants time. Yep, <laughs> absolutely. Um, so there's, uh, there's some interesting things though, that we're going to talk about today. 
Um, one of them being that some government services that you used to have to be present for in person, um, you can now do virtually. And, and some of them you can do by mail, too. So I'll, I'll tell you guys the one by mail that I thought was interesting. Um, you can now, and this is at least in Monroe County, I don't know if all counties are doing this, make certain amendments to your pistol permit um, by mail. So before you had to go to the county clerk's office, which means not only do you got to drive downtown, but you got to pay for parking, um, and then go wait in line, uh, pay, I think, like a $3 fee or something like that to make an amendment to your pistol permit. Um, now, apparently, you can just mail them in, and they'll do that, which saves um, not only time, but I... I would like to say it could make things greener, but now I'm not sure. What, what do you think, Kevin? What, do you think the carbon footprint on mailing something to the county clerk's office is smaller than driving over there physically? I, I don't know. Probably a little bit less. Uh, you know, I, I have two questions about that, though. Is, is one, uh, would it be possible to do that over the Internet? And two, why on earth haven't we been doing this before? Oh, yeah. No, 100%. I, I mean, uh, you know, for those of you listening to the show, you probably know this about me. But if not, you're about to find out. I think the pistol permits are, are awful and we shouldn't have them to begin with. Um, <laughs> so so step one for me, just eliminate the pistol permits. And, and now we've really saved Love the it. environment and given people their freedoms back. Um, but if we're operating with the thought that, yes, we have pistol permits. Um, yeah, I don't see why we couldn't just submit this information online my guess is that the government just doesn't have a system in place for it um and if they did put a system in place for it then probably they could let go of a few employees which would save us a bunch of tax dollars um and you know government never wants to get smaller they need to get bigger they need to quote unquote provide jobs say, um, Andrew, why are you trying to get people to lose their jobs Exactly. And that, that's, that's the thing. They'd be like, we can't do this. We'd, we'd lose jobs. And, you know, it's kind of interesting. If you look at the private sector, they're always looking for ways to become more efficient. Um, and sometimes that means jobs lost. But in the private sector, it's about efficiency, doing things um, quickly, doing things like more cost effective. Not saying that happens all the time, but general concept. Whereas with government, it always seems to be like, no, we'll do things as slow and as expensive as we can possibly do them. And then if somebody suggests that we're not doing a good job, we can talk about all the jobs that would be lost if we did it otherwise. Um, so definitely two very different ideologies. No, for sure. <laughs> and, you know, we're... I don't know. Uh, to, to me, I'd be like, well, why wouldn't we want to save taxpayers' money, make things easier, make it easier for you to, to communicate? I mean, if, if that's something you want to do, communicate with the government about uh, what's what's on your pistol permit or, or anything else for that matter. If you want to – I mean, like we, we already have – like if you want to make a change to your driver's license, like there's easy ways to do that online. Yeah, why no, ab absolutely. I, I think pistol permits should be the same way. I mean the pistol permit process is so backwards because – you show up, you fill out all of this paperwork, and then you bring it to the counter. They review the paperwork. They have you correct it if it's wrong. And then they sit there in front of you 
and hand type all the paperwork into their system anyways. So and then they take your permit. Yep, and then they take your permit if if you have a paper permit like I do, and then they put it in a typewriter and then type that same information again physically onto your permit. So it's just a really broken wow. system that that shouldn't exist. It's very archaic. I think uh their most recent upgrade was probably from stone tablets. Well, you know, that's uh it's progress. Uh government takes time, Andrew. Uh, and, uh, we should be thankful for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, I suspect, um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, they do have plastic pistol permits now. That was new. Um, I don't have one. Uh, part of the reason being you have to have every firearm you own listed on your permit mm-hmm. and the plastic permits have less space. And I, can neither confirm nor deny, but I suspect that my permit, I'd be carrying around more than one card, and uh, that would be a very big inconvenience for me. So I, I don't know how the process works right now. If you mail in an amendment to your permit, how are they putting those amendments on your permits when you're not physically there? And then the question is, if you did get inspected, I guess, I've never had an officer ask for my permit or look at it, um, but if they did inspect your permit and the pistol you had on you was not on your permit, um, what situation does that put you in? I, I believe that's a felony in New York. Um, so so my, my little itty-bitty step towards uh, getting more freedom back would be uh, make it so that this change is permanent, maybe get it online, and make it so you don't have your pistols listed on your permit. Um, those would be like small steps towards individual okay. freedom. Yeah, like in terms can, can of we just get purpose. like if we if we if we must have it on there, can't we just get like a QR code or something, and they could just like scan it and be like, oh okay, this is what you got, this is what's in the database. Like if if we must have it on there, which I'm not saying we should. I but, I don't think government is quite that advanced, Kevin. Oh goodness. Can we at least have some like fair expectation here. that they they get with the 21st century? Is that too much to ask? Uh, I would I would love to see it happen, Kevin. Love to see it happen. Guys, you are listening to Radio Free New York. We're going to take a break. We'll be back in a moment. You're listening to Radio Free New York. All right. Welcome back to Radio Free New York. I'm your host, Andrew Hollister. We've got Kevin Wilson here with us. And uh, today is Tuesday. So today is the talk of the town. Um, I would give you guys an update on COVID-19 with the latest New York numbers. Uh, But it looks like maybe they weren't published. The numbers match what they were yesterday, at least with uh, the tool I was using. So um either we had zero new cases zero deaths zero everything which i think is extremely unlikely or somebody uh forgot to put in the updated numbers and i'm thinking that's much more likely um so i don't have those numbers for you but what i do have is uh you know a a new feature to the government so you know the government if you think of it as a extremely costly app that constantly um, goes over budget and is buggy and broken all the time. 
um, they've added this new feature where you can get married virtually. Um, so Kevin, I'll, I'll let you talk about this. Yeah, so so this story came out a, a couple of days ago where um, the state is now moving to allow uh, marriage ceremonies to take place via uh, video chat, via Zoom meetings. So and it's funny because we were we were just talking about this uh, a couple weeks ago when we had Jose Pio on the show, uh, the Rochester City Council person. We were talking about like you know marriage certificates and things like that, and how like oh you you kind of stuck for a little bit because uh, the 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 city and the county systems that usually process those are are shut down. But but now it looks like you don't need to to have your officiant in person to be able to get married. Uh, you're able to uh, just do it all online. <laughs> and you're able to, to do a video ceremony, which is, again, one of those other things where I'm like, well, why couldn't we have had this before? What what was the barrier before? Yeah, well, I mean, we, we know what the barrier was. The barrier was government, which I think right. um, in, in many ways, coronavirus, despite how bad it has been, despite the people who have died, and, and I don't want to minimize these deaths or, or people think that I don't think that's a sensitive topic. Um, no, it's it's terrible that these people have died. Um, but there there are some good things that we're seeing out of coronavirus. And I, I think it's just as important to talk about the bad things. Um, I think we should also be talking about some of the good things that are coming out of this. And some of the good things that are coming out of this is that we're seeing how bad government has been um, as a result. You know, people are sitting here, and, and you're right, we had the conversation with Jose, and we talked about, yeah, marriage licenses are suspended. And the question was, why are we asking government for permission to get married? Why is government involved in this process at all? Why are they involved in this transaction? Not just that. You had to pay a fee to the government to get married. Um, right. And I, I personally look at marriage as um, an agreement between two or even more individuals, you know, depending on um, your arrangement, although government gets in the way of that as well. Many states you have laws about having more than one marital partner. Um, but I think that, you know, we, we have a situation here where people are hopefully questioning, why am I paying the government for permission to get married? Yeah. Right. So why, why not just, why not just, if you're, if you're adults and, and, and you want to get married and have that contract, just d declare it, tell the government that is what you have done and boom, you know, it's done, but it is, you should be able to just print that off of a website and send it in all there is to it why, why yeah, are we even... or 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 even easier like we, we shouldn't even have to print it off if if we had this awesome uh new york state.gov app which i see jay says in the comments uh you know would only cost uh 749.99 in the app store uh, <laughs> you, you know you could you could just log in and say like Yes, I, I have voluntarily engaged in an agreement of marriage with this individual. And you both submit it online, and boom, you're done. Or, or like I said, I mean, to me, marriage is an agreement between individuals um, that they obviously enter voluntarily. It's something they want to do to be married. Um, and and I, I know there's a lot of, uh, let's say, religious tension 
around this, but if somebody wanted to have more than one marital partner um, and everybody consented and agreed to it, I I don't see why government should have the authority to restrict that either. Yeah, right. I mean, you know, all marriage is, is like it's a contract for certain things to be able to, you know, like get inheritances, control joint property together, which you don't really need, or, or have like hospital visitation rights and things like that. You know, there, there's some reasons that marriage still has power in our society from a legal perspective. And there's no reason why someone couldn't draw up a legal contract for this type of thing and just say, hey, you know, we are all adults who can legally agree to this contract. Why not? Let's just let's roll with it. Yeah. And I mean, if you, if you look at how, say, a multi-member LLC works, it's right. not so different than marriage you know there's an operating agreement there's there's members of this organization they can share access to finances responsibilities a bank account all these things probably own property together um take on debt together the the only real difference i see between like a multi-member llc and and marriage is the medical visitation rights Stuff like that, and you, and you could work it out again. It's it's just a matter of let people do what they want, and you know, I I would say that I understand why government may have a reason for wanting to document that, right? Like if, if something comes up in in court, okay, but but even then, you know, you can have private contracts. You don't file every contract with the government either. You could just have that on hand. And say, yeah, we're married, and that's that's what it is. It's in the safe somewhere. It's fine. Yep. Yep. What do we need to do? Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, things you may or may not want it recorded in public record. Um, but that that could be optional, you know, instead of it being mandatory, um, having your marriage recorded publicly could be optional. Um, I I think that it could be recorded for free if there was an online system, um, if not some nominal charge like three or five dollars to cover right. the costs of keeping that filing system up and operating. Um, but but nothing more than that. I. I think that the fee with the city of Rochester is 10 or $20. And I think you need to get something from the County as well. If I recall, yeah, um, it, was, it, was a, it was a while ago. And, you know, we are getting some comments on this. A uh, non-conformist farmer says, you know, whether you consider marriage to be a contract or a covenant, the government should, government should have nothing to do with it. And they said that uh, we're right regarding uh, medical visitation rights. And, and Kevin's asking, uh, how would you divide assets if it goes bad? Well, that's that's kind of like uh, any any other agreement, right? Um, organizations where, once again, I kind of refer to an LLC, like a multi-membered LLC or a partnership, which are you know business entities. If a partner wants to exit, um, they there's there's an exit strategy put in place. Whether that's um, maybe selling shares. Um, depending on how the organization is shut up, set up or, you know, taking a percentage of the assets with them when they leave. Um, all, all of these are options. There's buyout options. So the main owners can um, or the partner could buy out the other partner. Um, wow. th those are all things that could be in your marriage contract. You could set up however you want. Right. Well, and, I mean, that's, that's, that's how prenups work, right? Well, that's kind of what it is, right? Well, you, you make that agreement, do all that stuff before. And if you don't make that type of agreement, too, and you don't outline everything, that's kind of what ends up happening in, you know, in court, right? That's that's where you get these proceedings where people figure out how to divide up assets and all that type of stuff. So it's 
that type of thing already exists. Most marriage contracts aren't that well defined anyway. But the point is, is that like, again, it's, it's not really the government's business to determine what type of arrangement that you want to make. Yeah, no, 100%. And and I see Kevin's also asking, um, would it be a contracted created by the two parties before marriage? Yeah, no, absolutely. That's that that would be the marriage is the contract. So the two parties would agree upon the contract, um, which is the marriage in advance and and them being married is essentially agreeing to the contract. Um, and, and I bet you there'd be a whole bunch of places like rocket lawyer and online attorneys where you could download a pre templated marriage contract. I'm sure you could do it with a prenup. Um, this is, this is probably already a thing. Like I, I'm yeah. sure it is out there. Someone has thought of this already. Yeah, no, absolutely. It, it probably is out there. It's probably, uh, you know, happening, um, if not in the U S but I'm sure it's happening in the U S uh, I'm sure in other countries it happens as well. Yeah, and, and Jay also says, you know, info should be kept private unless government permission is granted. Uh, yeah, no, fair point. You can do that. And, and I think that should be your right to do that. Um, why not? I mean, marriage is, is really a, an agreement. You know, you, your, your private agreement between two people and whatever that means to you, you know, that's that, that has its own personal significance. And, you know, I, government doesn't need to get in the way of that. And I think that's, that's kind of always been our argument yeah no absolutely so lessons learned from coronavirus government is terribly inefficient um costs way too much money and you have to ask for way too much permission to go about your daily lives you guys are listening to radio free new york we're going to take a break we'll be back in a moment listening to Radio Free New York. All right. Welcome back to Radio Free New York. I'm your host, Andrew Hollister. Uh, today is our talk of the town, and we've got Kevin Wilson here with us. Hello. So uh, as we talk about local things that are happening, um, something that we're starting to see more of is people protesting uh, New York pause, protesting stay-at-home orders, uh, so much so that even Cuomo uh, started to address that a little bit yesterday, um, saying things like, you know, nobody needs to protest things. Uh, he he said here, hold on, let's see. Nobody disagrees that we want to get out of this situation. You don't need protests to convince anyone that in this country that we have to get back to work and we have to get the economy going, and that we have to get out of our homes. Yet, you know, just a couple days ago, he said things like, I never shut down the economy. The whole economy didn't shut down. We just shut down non-essential things. We tightened down right. the faucet a little bit, you, you know. And then he um, he's also said things that, that I think probably really upset people when he said the other day that... Uh, you know, the people who are at home, they're the ones that have the luxury to stay home. Well, and he was saying this in refer referring to 
the frontline essential workers, like the the medical workers, first responders who are out there still working. Um, and he said, well, not everybody has the luxury to stay home. Um, kind of insinuating that all the people whose jobs were essentially taken away from them by his orders, um, who are feeling forced to stay home, not that it's their voluntary decision that the government has forced them to, he's now insinuating that that's a luxury. And I can tell you guys, at least from what I've seen on social media, people aren't feeling like it's a luxury being locked up in their homes, um, stuck with maybe their kids, maybe roommates that, I don't know, smell funny or, you know, whatever else. Um, people aren't looking at this as a luxury. Um, and it sounds like there's, there's some protests that are starting to mount and go together. And I know Kevin's got some more information on that. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, again, it, for, for him to say that and, and not be, you know, I, I think there's, there's, a lack of sensitivity uh, on the side of, of people like Andrew Cuomo and, and, and others who are kind of sneering at these protests when, when in fact, I, I, I get the energy behind them, right? Like if you have suddenly lost your ability to earn a living, you know, that is terrifying. You know, if you're not able to go, if you're, if you're losing your business that maybe you've worked decades for, that's awful. And it's not merely like, oh, I can't go to the movies now and that stinks and I'm bored. Like it's, you're not able to earn a living. You're not able to, uh, you know, get access to the same service that services that you've always had. Uh, you're not able to get access to even some of the like kind of medically necessary services you have. Like I can't go to the chiropractor right now. It's not an emergency, but like that, that was something that I, I liked doing because I get headaches when I, uh, don't go to the chiropractor. I mean, the, the, the fact is that, that that is something that helps me that's cut off. So it's not trivial to do that. So so these protests have popped up uh, kind of across the country. You, you've seen some in California. Uh, there's one in Buffalo yesterday. There's going to be one in Rochester. Uh, there's, there's one in, I think, um, Philadelphia uh, over the weekend, too. And, you know, I, I, got, I got some mixed feelings about these protests because on the one hand, all that stuff I said is true, that that I think that we do need to find ways to get back to work. I think Governor Cuomo is feeling the pressure of that. He, he really is feeling some of the pressure that we're starting to see, like, OK, uh, maybe we'll open up uh, the boat ramps. All right. That was that was something that didn't need to close. All right. Maybe we'll open up pool services. OK, that's something. And it's like one by one. We're uh, public golf courses was another or, or not. No, public golf courses are still closed. Private golf courses were able to open over the weekend one by one, you know, People are chipping away at like these arbitrary government restrictions, and that's what they feel like. It's like, well, all right, well, if if this one thing is fine, then why not this other thing? Why can't I find a way to operate my business safely? It's, yeah, it's... and I I think that this is something that that we've talked about a lot too is the idea of you know how arbitrary some of this government response has seemed and and even like the things that happened in rochester recently and we did a show about that too you know just just about how um these these essential orders and these kind of like stay at home orders you can't go to work orders seem to be applied in ways that are inconsistent and make people feel as if um they're very arbitrary yeah and and as people start to feel that they're more arbitrary they're gonna just go out and start breaking them or you're, you're going to get, uh, you know, protests, uh, like, like we're seeing here. Um, and 
again, I, I, I have some mixed feelings about these protests. And, and my, my only reason why is that, there, that there's some that are interesting. Everyone's getting in cars. They're far apart. Uh, all this stuff. Uh, and they're, they're trying to make sure they're not blocking traffic. Uh, I, I kind of get that. I kind of respect that. There, there's been some other ones, like the one in Detroit. I think they planned poorly, and they, they ended up blocking ambulance traffic in front of a hospital, which is uh, bad. Mm. That, is, that is very, very yeah. bad. Don't do that. Um, you know, and I'm also seeing some of the some of the folks who are putting protests together who are like they they want to de defy the executive order for for the mask thing which again i i talked about this friday i don't like the executive order uh mandating that you wear masks everywhere i think it has some downside consequences that shouldn't be dismissed so easily but also it's probably a smart idea and if you're going out and uh interacting with a lot of people you should probably do things to keep you and your family safe and i think it, it's it misses the message of the importance of opening the economy so that we have the, the, the wealth and the dynamism to be able to respond to coronavirus effectively. It's a totally different message to say, I want to just go out and I don't want to wear a mask and I want to be able to do what I want. I, I think liberty requires responsibility. It requires you to take ownership of your actions and understand the consequences not only for yourself, but for other people. And so my yeah, and if I can just jump in real quick, oh, please, I think yeah. the mask thing um, to me is such a a strange thing. I feel like people would be apt to wanting to wear masks, but I was surprised at how many people were so resistant to it. Um, and some of that I attribute to the health organizations like WHO and CDC um, encouraging people to not wear masks unless they were sick, but then at the same time telling people that they won't have symptoms for the first 10 days. Um, so how does somebody know if they're sick or not until they've had a week and a half of infecting people? Um, I think people look to some of these organizations for advice and were given terrible, inconsistent advice, and now they, they don't want to wear masks because, well, the government keeps changing what's being yeah. said. Um, which I think is is a problem with inconsistency as well. No, no, and, and Sean and I did a whole episode on the concept of the noble lie, where where it, it kind of turns out a lot of these places they they lied in part to prevent a run on like N95 mask supplies, uh, and and now this is the dividend that it's playing is that we're we're not sure like whether or not the experts are telling us the truth, and I, and I think I it's being skeptical of the experts is understandable. Um, and, and, but at the same time, there, there's also plenty of studies to say like, Hey, the, the masks do do something to help, right? They do do a little bit to help prevent the spread of disease. Even if it's just a, a cloth mask, it not, doesn't necessarily protect you all that much, depending on the material that you're using, but it does do something to help you from spreading it to other people. You know, and we're getting comments of like, you know, we're, we're sick of being told to obey the King, you know, uh, and, and they want to find out how far they can lock us down. I, I get that sentiment, right? And and that's and that's we're going to see more of that sentiment. The, the more the government tries to overreact and clamp down on our liberties, instead of telling us honestly what the situation is, giving us full information, and expecting us to act appropriately on that. Yeah, and I I tell you what, I'll use Czech Republic as an example. Um, the town where my wife grew up, the government came out and said, hey. Um, we believe everybody should be wearing masks who's in public. That was their public advice. 
um, the advice was given out when they had a hot spot right next to them. So they actually ended up doing um, mandatory mask wearing, but most people are wearing them anyways. A lot of people are doing um, homemade masks. They now just celebrated 14 days straight of no new infections of uh, COVID-19. So, you know, it'll be a while before we see the effectiveness of what wearing the masks were in public. But the fact that their government at least said, hey, we think masks are going to be effective, start doing it. Not many places can say they've got 14 straight days of no infections right now. Yeah, that's a great thing. Um, And, you know, it's just... One put it out there that just because the government tells you to do something doesn't necessarily mean that thing is bad for you. If the government made licking doorknobs illegal tomorrow, don't go out and lick a doorknob. Like, it, I'm just, it's it's a weird sentiment I get, and I, I get the resistance, but, like, sometimes they're right, too. But the government yeah, destroyed it's, the credibility it's that whole, in so many uh, ways, it's hard you know, to know. Every that. once in a while, a blind squirrel finds a nut. That, yes, that's the uh, exactly. best way to sum it up. So... All right, guys, you're listening to Radio Free New York. We're going to take a break. We'll be back in a moment. Radio Free New York. All right, guys, uh, this is Andrew Hollister. You're listening to Radio Free New York. Welcome back to the show. We've got Kevin Wilson here. And uh, we are now kind of switching gears just a little bit to elective surgeries. Yeah, let's Um, let's get to some of those comments, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's let's get some of the comments first. Yeah, go ahead. What what do you want to read, Kevin? Yeah, Valerie says, hey, Andrew, put your pants on so we can see you. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So so truth be told, I am wearing pants. Um, But... I uh, I uh, just my internet was really flaky yesterday. We lost connection midway through the show. I didn't want to push the bandwidth too hard. Um, so if we can get the bandwidth to even out, maybe tomorrow we'll be back on with a live video. But for now, you can just see my beautiful headshot there. It's a uh, image representing a pre-quarantine version of myself. We all need to know what you look like now. Yep, yep. <laughs> Actually, I'll, I'll be honest with you guys. I, I did uh, I did shave up, trim up a little bit today, and I will neither confirm nor deny, but I may have found myself a black market haircut. Um, you know, so know. I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Wow. Just diving into to disobeying the government. Can't believe you, Andrew. Well, I, I won't confirm or deny, Kevin, but it's all it's right. alleged as far as I'm concerned. Allegedly. <laughs> yeah. I, I understand. I'm, I'm getting close. Yeah, well, I tell you what, though, um, hairstylists and barbers and and, uh, anybody that gets a a license from the state is apparently have been threatened and told that if the state finds out that they're cutting hair doing that stuff, um, they will have their license revoked and be fined like $2,000 or something like that. I mean, that's basically the only reason the state issues licenses is so they can take them away if you uh, cross them. Yeah, well, and to get your money. They want and both. to get your money, yeah, uh, no, it's sure. definitely part of that too. And you know, we're I oh, like I I know that like my barber is is pushing out petitions to try to let everyone operate starting May first. You know, and and he's just he he's saying like, well, you know, he can wear a mask. He can ask his his clients to wear a mask. There there are ways to do it that are relatively safe. We can figure it out. Smart people are able to to, to make this work. Why not let them have their businesses be open? 
Yeah, no, I agree. And I think that the overwhelming majority of businesses out there, um, with with just a few exceptions, hair salons, tattoo artists, and, and chiropractors are probably the first three that come to mind. Most businesses, even if they're quote-unquote non-essential, can operate without anybody ever touching each other. You know, yeah. you can still have that plexiglass barrier up or... I went to the post office the other day. They don't even have plexiglass. They just have plastic sheeting hanging from the ceiling. It looks super, like, sketchy and like a 10-year-old put together. Um, but that that's what they're doing. I mean, if, if that's what the federal government is doing, I can guarantee you that private industry can do a much better job. Yeah, people are figuring out. I mean, like restaurants have figured it out too, right? Like I'm still able to go get ice cream now. Like we just you you pay with a credit card over the phone ahead of time, and 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 you go there and you shout out your name, and they leave it on a picnic table, and boom, I have milkshakes. Wait, wait, wait. Where are you going to get ice cream? Netsons. That's so Netsons and Rondequoit. That's it. Uh, all right. I, I they're my to go go-to to ice, ice cream, cream place. We walk the dog up there all the time. Um. But yeah, no, I mean, they, they figured out a safe way to do it and great, you know, more power to them. And I'm trying to support their business where I can. Restaurants have figured it out. Breweries have figured it out. And I'm sure other businesses can too. There are millions of people working in these industries that want to keep themselves and their customers safe. Why not let them do that? Yeah, no, for sure. And and I tell you, I mean, a few of the other things that, that I thought about the other day. So those of you listening to the show, you probably don't know this. I've been doing, um, we'll call it like a little bit of a home renovation project. I'm doing all the work myself. Um, and, you know, there's dust flying around and paint and fumes and, and those sort of things. Um, so, you know, I go to the hardware store and I noticed there's no masks on the shelf because obviously people are buying them at, you know, as quickly as they possibly can. It made me think of people who are carpenters and painters and, and other people that they expose themselves to that type of environment every day. And yeah. that stuff isn't available to them. So their lungs are filling up with all this awful stuff um, that, that certainly can't be good for them long term at all. No, yeah, so uh, hopefully you got all your respirators and masks ahead of time. Uh, otherwise, I mean, like, you can use, like, a like a buff or something to, to kind of cover up your face, but uh, that, that doesn't filter out a lot of the fine dust particles. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I suspect these guys, I mean, I've been reusing the same mask for a while now, and I, I don't think it even lets air in or out anymore. It's so clogged up, Just... you know, so I can't imagine, like, the guys who do the full-time uh, they they probably got to cycle through masks, you know, every day or every couple of days um, yeah. before they got to toss them. So I, I imagine a lot of these people are exposing themselves to stuff they normally wouldn't, which is going to cause other long-term health effects that just aren't good. Yeah, but, but luckily production for that type of stuff is going up a lot. There's a lot of incentive for, for those types of things to, to happen. So we're seeing masks from your, your Etsy stuff to industrial grade dust mask, which which also help with that type of stuff, uh, uh, rise pretty quickly in response to market demand. And uh, you know, I'm not. I don't think there's enough time to go into my thing about price gouging, but uh, we shouldn't do it. It's a bad idea. <laughs> what would not shouldn't, not, not shouldn't not, do shouldn't price gouging or shouldn't, shouldn't protect from price gouging. Shouldn't prohibit the market from working. Let's put it that way. 
Yeah, that, that's that's a better way. I, I I think I know where you're going with that. I mean, Uber has surge pricing, right? Yeah. Um, it's it's kind of a similar concept for sure. Well, I mean, and, and it's like as production ramps up, like some of these hardware stores, if they were allowed, what they could do is say, okay, your first pack of ten masks is going to be the normal price. Your second pack of uh, uh pack of ten masks is going to be fifty dollars, right? Like just you know, provide an incentive to not hoard everything, and that that's a way to address that issue if it's really that valuable to you you'll go get it but yeah no i agree you know i i have a friend who um makes a living buying and selling things that's that's literally all he does He, he finds things he maybe he refurbishes them maybe he doesn't and resells them and occasionally i'll find something and and i'll be like oh i think this is worth something you know it seems this and that and and his response has always been um it's only worth what somebody's willing to pay for it. And it's usually I'll be like, hey, look at this thing. It's selling for, you know, five hundred bucks on eBay. This guy's selling it, you know, for a hundred bucks, like you know, but it's actually worth five hundred. And he's like, Oh, you know, it's only worth what somebody's willing to pay for it. If nobody ever actually buys that five hundred dollar item, like it's not really worth five hundred dollars. Um so so the yeah. similar concept can can be switched and changed here where um you know, if markets were allowed to actually operate, people would buy things at the value that they're truly worth. And this this isn't just products. This isn't just masks. We're talking about masks today. Um, this extends to everything. I mean, even labor, um, which, you, you know, could, could be like four full episodes talking about government intervention with labor costs. Um, but, yeah, costs of product – um, allowing markets to fluctuate as supply and demand fluctuates. Um, I think people are scared of these things, but in the end, I think they're actually really good things. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's better to, to have these, have access to this stuff than not have access to this stuff. Right. So, so by allowing prices to work a bit more effectively, you will be able to be more likely to get this stuff. That's yeah. I mean, that. Yep. No, I agree. And also, I, I think the government, when they try to step in to, to limit purchase of quantities, like it, it's really unnecessary because along the same lines, the stores started doing that anyways when things like paper towel and toilet paper were running out. They did do that. Yeah. So, Absolutely. So, government's always trying to answer or solve problems that don't exist by making more problems. That's, uh, we're solving that's the problems takeaway. that they created in the first place. Yep. Absolutely. All right, guys, you're listening to Radio Free New York. Uh, Tomorrow, I've got a guest coming in who's going to talk about uh, their version of a protest here in New York State. We'll be back same time, same place tomorrow.